you're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Hello, everyone. My name is Ariana Gonzalez, and I'm the Client Services Manager here at Chuuk Attorneys and CPAs. And please join me in welcoming Maureen Scoris from our New Jersey office. Hi there, Maureen, and welcome. Hi, Ariana. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Maureen is one of our top attorneys that focuses on trademarks. So for today's topic, we will be talking all about trademarks. You'll learn what a trademark is, what steps are involved in registering your trademark, and the pros and cons of doing it yourself. Please email any questions you guys have at info and we'll be happy to help you out. Now let's get started, Maureen. Let's start with the basics. What is a trademark? All right, Ariana. So typically, a trademark is a source identifier. It would, it's often termed a brand name as well, and it identifies the source of goods or services of a company. Perfect. Thanks for that answer. So can you talk a little bit about what a trademark attorney does? So trademark attorneys often counsel businesses as far as what their IP rights are. Some larger companies are a little more sophisticated and have some of that knowledge in advance. And our midsize or smaller companies um, often don't understand the value that IP gives them. So for each type of client, we really try to cater to them for the trademark services and help them understand the value of the IP, regardless of their size, and how to efficiently and effectively invest their money in intellectual property to protect their business and help it grow. There's also trademarks that come up often in contracts, on um, business contracts, employment contracts, intellectual property in different forms, not just trademarks, will come up in those in types of in contracts and relationships. And so we see contracts as well as obtaining IP for people. And we also see a lot of litigation. Unfortunately, um, there's disputes in businesses as well. And litigation is also part of our job. So it sounds like a trademark attorney can really help you out with all the ins and outs of the process. So what are the benefits of obtaining a trademark registration for your business? And why should one consider this? So a lot of the benefits in getting a federal trademark registration has to do with access to the federal district courts and statutes that provide you more protections for your business in federal courts. It also entitles you to certain statutory damages and injunctions more readily than if you did not have a federal trademark registration. There's also state claims. So if you did not have the federal trademark registration, you can, some, some people will go and obtain state registrations of their trademarks. And those often, sometimes in the different states, that will give them a benefit to additional protections under their state laws for unfair business practices or deceptive trade practices as well. So it sounds like it's pretty essential to get a trademark registration to protect your business, right? Thank you so much for your insights on that. Can you talk a little bit about the steps involved in registering a trademark? Sure. The first step is finding the, the name and doing some preliminary research before an application. You would have to submit an application to the USPTO, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, or through a state registration office if you decide to do state protections for trademarks. And in that application, the government entity will review it and issue an office action 
there's always a back and forth with the agency that's handling the application. And then you would, of course, th so, and then the back and forth initially, uh, eventually when you get to a point where the application is ready for registration and there's no legal basis for rejecting it or other challenges to it, there would be a publication of it, which gives the public the right to oppose it. And then if everything is okay and there's no opposition or the opposition is resolved in some way, or if there is one, then you can proceed to registration of your trademark. Those are some great insights. I appreciate you explaining that process, Maureen. Are there any legal requirements that we need to fulfill before we can trademark our name? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. One of the requirements is that no one else is using the mark. So there's always some brief review and research to see what's out there. Um, we often recommend our clients to have us do some additional research to, to make sure that they're investing their money in the application and our services properly. And so for a nominal fee, you can do that review before you spend a couple thousand dollars on the actual application process. There's other requirements that you also need to make sure there's statutory requirements to provide. You have to define a specific good or service or multiple goods and services for your mark. Um, and so the office, part of that response with the office is to make sure that those goods and services are accurately defined and not vague so that people can understand exactly what you claim as your goods and services that you're using that mark on. Um, you also have to event before it can register, you have to show use of the mark. So there's two types of applications. You can do one that's an intent to use. And if you're not yet using this mark on goods that you're selling or services that you're offering for sale, you can do an intent to use application. But within a certain amount of time, you need to start using the mark or you will not be able to register it. Um, and of course, there's also that if you're already using the trademark in business on goods and services, that's th then you can register it. So it's that use of the mark before you get the registration. That's important as well. Great. I appreciate you going into detail about that. So I know there's been quite a bit of talk about registered and unregistered trademarks. Can you explain the difference between these two and how they differ in terms of legal protection? Sure. So if you don't have a registered mark, you're only entitled to certain common law protections, which are weak and really limited to where you operate your business. In today's age with any business easily becoming national or international with the use of the internet, it's really recommended to get that federal registration, as well as possibly consider a trademark registration in other countries. Um, the common law trademark protections are really weak and, and just don't, don't do the same as what an actual registration with the state or the federal government will do for you. Great. So make sure you are getting your trademark registered. So in the event that a trademark application happens to be denied, Maureen, what opinions do you have for businesses to appeal or further actions? Like what can a business do if their application is denied? So there's different bases for denials. And part of the back and forth with the agency is you do have an opportunity with the USPTO trademark examining attorney to present arguments and facts if there is an initial refusal of the trademark registration. And so that requires reviewing the trademark examining attorney's evidence, looking at the laws and figuring out if there is a legal basis, right, to Sometimes the trademark, well, often, you know, trademark examiners are right, but it's through a discussion that you both understand, you know, and clarify what the trademark is all about and hence getting it registered. 
However, if you're in a situation where you feel that the trademark examiner missed the mark or didn't understand what your client's business was about, then you can do an ap appeal to the TTAB, which is an internal part of the agency, and then they will review the trademark examining attorney. If it's more procedural and not substantive, you can also petition to the director of the USPTO. So there's a couple of different avenues. Perfect. So it's good to know for companies that they can appeal if their trademark application is denied. I appreciate those insights. Um, so we are in the age of social media and e-commerce right now. So can we talk a little bit about how businesses can monitor and enforce their trademark rights online right now in this digital age? Can you talk a little bit about that? So for doing that, usually the businesses themselves are the best people to monitor because they're in it, right? They're out there. Their salespeople are out there. They're trying to get customers or, or offer their businesses for sale. So routinely, you can you can have your own people who are knowledgeable about IP and what would be similar. You know, just keep an eye out if they see something that's a knockoff. Sometimes customers will come to them and, and tell them. And oftentimes, it's helpful to have a trained attorney's eye, or we often can use paralegals in our office to keep costs down. But we can also provide those monitoring services and different venues through the social and digital media platforms, knowing what to search for and variations that are close, but likely to cause confusion to consumers when someone's mark is misappropriated or and slightly changed where it's you know enough to cause confusion but still a different different company. So there's there's a lot out there and there's a lot of ease with which people using digital platforms cause confusion, whether with their subject line and emails, and the phishing emails cause confusion is one instance that I think everyone's familiar with. So it, it definitely takes a trained eye to really hone in on what would truly be a misappropriation of a trademark. That's some great advice to make sure to use your own resources, have your team out there taking a look, making sure nobody's infringing on your trademark rights, and as well as re reaching out to your attorney and seeing how they can help you with that. So in your experience, how long does it typically take to register a trademark and what are the costs involved? So typically, I would say a trademark application can get resolved and issued, registered within a year and a half to two years. I do know that there is a backlog with trademark examining attorneys being able to review some of the applications now, so it's taking a little bit longer. I think some of this is just overwhelming numbers of people were filing for trademark applications during COVID and shortly after, so there's just a backlog of about six months right now that I'm seeing in getting some, the, the process started. So it can take over two years at this point. And then the second part of your question, the cost involved. So the trademark office, depending on how you want to file it, they have electronic options. And we usually go for the option that costs for $350 per class. It's it's per class, and that's the USPTO fee. That gives you more flexibility with your application and defining your goods and services with more particularity to better match what you do. There is an option also for a they have an electronic filing application, and the fee is $250 per class. Uh, but again, that's um, that's having to use their template, their standard language, and it doesn't give the same flexibility for applicants. And law firm fees can be varied depending on the firm and, and what, their, what their rates are. 
That's great to know. So it can take up to two years and around like $350, maybe a little less than that. So that's great to know. Well, the, and that's the PTO fees. The, I'm sorry. The the legal fees would be more, I would say, closer to $1,000 per application. And depending on if there's research in advance or what we find in that research can also increase the costs. But typically, it's around $1,000. Great. I appreciate that estimate. Um, so let's talk about what we can trademark. Can we only trademark names and words, or can we also trademark slogans and logos? You can trademark all of that, actually. They're called taglines also, right? So slogans, logos, designs, color, you can also, and sound. You can trademark sounds. So would those be separate trademarks? If you were to trademark a name and a logo, would you have to file two different ones? Uh, it would be recommended. So the broadest protection that you can get is with the word. So just the, the basic words, no color claims, no design claims, that gives you the broadest protection for your trademark. Once you but, you can, but we would also say if you have a design that's very important to your business, like a catchy design with colors, you would also want to trademark those as well. Even though it's narrower protection, it, it is still important to your business that people don't knock off and try to use the same color and a similar design to confuse people and take your customers away. That's so helpful to know. I appreciate those insights. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between a trademark and a copyright and when do we need to obtain either one? So the trademark, as I as I had mentioned at the outset, is really identifying the source of your goods and services. And there's goodwill that's associated with that. It's often intangible, but it's really the epitome of that would be the value that the customers get, the quality of your goods, what the customers have come to rely upon as far as the, the quality and type of goods and services that they get from that source. So whereas a copyright is just specific for it's a creative it, it's copyrights are directed to creative works of authorship that are new and usually fixed in some sort of medium so painting there there can be recordings but but again they're slightly different and sometimes they do correlate and cross over into each other for protection great i appreciate you explaining the difference between those two and how they can sometimes cross over can you talk about the process for maintaining and renewing a trademark registration and how often we might have to do that? Sure. So once your trademark issues and you get the certificate from the trademark office, you do have to follow up in the within the five years after it's registered. And then again, every 10 years, there's renewal applications that are required. And at the five-year mark, there's also this statement of incontestability that's very valuable that gives your trademark a stronger um, a stronger incontestability status that we always recommend our clients get because you just never know who's out there that may try to um, benefit from your hard work in creating your own business and line of goods or services. If you don't file those renewal applications, the office will cancel your registration. Perfect. I appreciate those insights, Maureen. Just a quick disclaimer. This conversation is for informational purposes only. It does not create an attorney-client relationship. So please email your questions to us at info at And in this session, we're talking all about trademarks, the pros and cons of doing it yourself, what a trademark is, and what are the steps involved in registering for a trademark. So let's dive into the next question, Maureen. So what are the international trademark laws and how can we protect our trademarks globally? So it will be necessary to get local counsel attorneys in each in each country where you want to protect your business name with a trademark registration. 
So oftentimes there are treaties where you can benefit from another filing. Either in the U.S. you can benefit from a foreign filing for the date of priority, saying that you have a use in commerce of, of X date based on this other registration. It can assist you, but you need to go into each country and file for that registration. Sometimes electronically you can also start the process through uh, the different electronic application portals that we have available to us, but it's always wise to have uh, counsel in that country to finish the process and necessary. I appreciate you sharing that. So it's definitely important to protect your trademark globally. So can you talk about the potential legal risks associated with using a trademark that's already in use by another company? Absolutely. So this is a problem that sometimes when businesses start using a name and don't come to an attorney first to do that research that I mentioned at the outset, when before we file an application, we always recommend doing quick research to see if there's anything similar, but sometimes we'll have a client who comes with us to an idea and had no idea with a new name. And we find out that there's another business selling the same goods in like a state, like two states over. And that'll be huge legal issues for your client that if they decide to start using it and don't do that research. So it really does help to have an attorney at that initial early business stages of, of launching a new name and or using a new name for a certain line of goods and services. So can we talk about how we can use our trademark to protect our brand's reputation and prevent unauthorized use? Sure. So when you have a trademark, you do need to protect it from others using it inappropriately. And so it is important to monitor your use and others' use of similar marks and to stop them through cease and desist letters or reaching out to your attorney to find out the best way to stop it. It'll depend on the circumstances. If you don't do that, then you could lose your mark. If you allow other people to use similar marks, to do knockoffs under your name that aren't really that aren't associated with your business, it would it would hurt your business value. It would dilute your rights to your trademark. And also you could lose customers because if those knockoffs aren't selling goods and services that are at the same level of quality that you are providing through your business, then people will begin to associate that poor quality with your business as well. So you'll result in lost customers and sales. There's uh, in worst case scenario, if you're someone like some of those bigger companies uh, that uh, like I believe it might have been Kleenex. They used to have a trademark, but it became so common that you can lose your trademark if you don't protect it with cease and desist letters and stop other people from using it in a common way. Your your actual name can become generic. Those are some great insights on taking action when you see other people using your name, um, so that it doesn't become um, generic and and you lose that trademark. So that's those are some great insights. I appreciate that, Maureen. So can we talk about, you know, there's always changes in trademark law and updates. So how do we stay up to date with these changes in trademark law and legal precedent? Can you talk about how you do that and how we might be able to do that as well? Sure. So a lot of it has to do with uh, the USPTO. I get updates from them all the time about changes and the rules and the procedures. They often put them out there for comment from attorneys and the general public that rely upon and use those laws and regulations. 
So I go to the heart of it often just to see what's going on and if anything has changed. There's also lots of cases that go up to the Supreme Court on intellectual property. So I always keep tabs on what's coming out of the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit as well as the Supreme Court. I know on everyone's mind was this is this one case about with Jack Daniels and this other bad Spaniels, I think it is. And it's an interesting case. And they deals with a, a lot of free speech and the First Amendment rights and things like that. So there's also a ton of blogs out there, and there are some that are better than others. I think in every field, there's blogs that people are giving commentaries and updates on what goes on. And so I often review those more reputable and reliable ones to hear what people are saying about different issues as they come up. In the case, in the case law, you always check with that as well. Those are some great insights on staying up to date with the changes in the laws. I appreciate you sharing that. Can you talk about the pros and cons of hiring a trademark attorney versus doing it yourself? I know a lot of businesses try to file the trademarks by themselves. So can we talk a little bit about those pros and cons, why you wouldn't recommend that and what's great about it? If you have a great trademark that and um, you're comfortable with some of the requirements that are on the website for the USPTO, it's great that you can try to do it on your own. The USPTO does a really good job of trying to have these self-help areas of their website to help business owners and innovators help themselves and not become overburdened with legal fees for getting IP. Uh, traditionally, IP law firms and IP services have been quite high, more so than a regular general practitioner because of the specialty involved in the field. And so I believe that is one of the reasons why the USPTO has made an effort to try to be more inclusive and not and not be um, overrun with people who can just pay those higher bills. And so they do that with the self-help areas. And they also have some pro bono corner where you can try to find someone to do it at a lower rate through their website and their connections. One of the problems with that comes into play if you do have a more complicated situation. If you have a design where you might want to, with your trademark, where you have colors and you're not sure how to explain it, it's you know it, it, it gets complicated when you start adding colors and design elements to your trademark. It can be complicated if you get a refusal from the office action on a likelihood of confusion. It's a section 2D of the Trademark Act refusal, those are very complicated. The legalese, anything involving intellectual property has not only legal terms that not people don't use in their everyday life, but there's also specific intellectual property terms that have specific definitions. And it's a mix of technical on top of technical, and not everybody has the time or the bandwidth to really get into the nitty gritty and nuances of those legal terms. So if you come across a, a a refusal from the patent office, it's not going to make sense to your ordinary business person who just wants to file for their business name. And in those situations, it really makes sense to have an attorney to help you go through the, the legalese of the trademark office. I appreciate you going into detail about that, Maureen. Thank you for explaining the pros and cons of hiring an attorney and doing it yourself and, and when you shouldn't do that because some cases are more complicated. Um, I know you've been doing this for quite some time. So in your opinion, in your experience, what are the most common mistakes that you've seen businesses make when it comes to trademark registration and protection? The businesses have made as far as trademark protection. I've seen some people mix copyright and trademarks. And so 
you can do what you call a, a poor man's copyright. It's just a, a term that you can just put the C on your on your papers and you have your copyright. You don't have to register it with the copyright office. It just you publish it and put it out there. And I've seen some people do that on their brochures when in fact what they're marking with the C is their trademark. And their trademark isn't going to be protected against others when you do it that way. So and also, it's, I've seen that with like designs and, and taglines as well. And that's one of the easy ones I think that people mix up. So other mistakes might just be in the in the description of goods and services. And I think that's a very technical area to get into because there's a manual that's very large that the USPTO has for how to identify your goods and services for a trademark application. And I think just looking through that can be daunting sometimes for anyone. Yes, that's important to keep in mind. So make sure you consult your attorney in regard to any mistakes um, so that you don't make any mistakes so that the process goes smoothly and you get approved and everything goes well. Um, So Maureen, since you've been doing this for quite some time, what's your approach to working with clients to develop a strong trademark strategy? And do you have any recommendations for anyone that's planning on going through this process? Sure. So I'll start with As far as my approach with getting a strong trademark strategy and portfolio is really to first get to know the customer, right? The client, their business, whether the goods or services and and whether they want to grow. I think one big mistake that people may make is that they're just looking at today and what they're doing when in fact they might want to grow and, and go into other channels, other markets, right? And so they could try to protect that area by filing including it in their initial application. They would be able to sometimes save on fees as well. And it's really important to to research the client and to know their business to best recommend how to protect themselves. And so it's always interesting because you meet with them and then sometimes when I go back on the website, I see more and I'm like, oh wait, they have more here that they could, they're using different things as trademarks and we should bring that into the discussion. And so I often, meet with them and then look at what I can find about them in public and go back to them and say, you know, I really enjoyed meeting you and learning about your business, but I also saw this when I was doing some additional review and it might be worth investing in additional trademarks here. So that that is um, part of my strategy in, in helping design an, an aggressive and strong trademark portfolio for that each customer, each client. And then Big number one recommendation that I always have is to do your research before you start printing up all your business materials and paying for a business name at at like a state registration because I've run into times, you always hope it doesn't happen, but I've run into many times businesses that have to switch gears and, and change their marketing because they didn't do that research and somebody else is too close and it might cause confusion or you know, someone's using a similar similar name next door and it might be a different product, but you don't want to be associated with them because because of whatever it is, right? You want your own business name. So I always say research, research before you start paying to put your name out there. Maureen, thank you so much for your insights and expertise. We truly appreciate your time. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email at info at Stay safe and take care. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chug.com for legal and immigration and www.chug.net 
for tax, be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chug LLP team. 